0: That's so nifty. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Fun here on the Nifty Podcast Network. If you're listening to this, it's our first episode, so thank you so much for joining us. Today's guest is Chris Goodbread, a good friend of mine that I've known for many years. We talked about the movie Clerks, so you know what? Let's jump right into it. Bring my notes over. I took notes. Ooh. I did. I did not
1: take notes. I was thinking about it, but didn't quite get into it.
0: Super exciting, bit of notes. But hey, thank you so much for coming over, man. No
1: problem, thanks for having me here, Paul. Yeah,
0: this is super exciting that you get to be my first guest on the podcast. I know, I know. We
1: get to set it up either for uh, failure or success, hopefully.
0: Hey, there's only one way we can go from here. Yeah. Forward. Forward, correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't go backward.
1: Cannot go backwards. No.
0: So, uh, we're here to talk about Clerks. Yeah. 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 Kevin Smith's first movie.
1: Kevin Smith's first movie of many.
0: Yeah, it's um and, and it shows. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you felt rewatching it. But uh,
1: you know, it takes me back to a time before cell phones and uh, high technology, if you will. There's not even a mention of internet in this. People are watching VHS tapes in the movie. Yeah. So um, it, it's a bit, nice bit of nostalgia. Um, and you know, we can get into the details of it as we go along here. Um, but it was a good rewatch again.
0: Yeah, it's the first thing that that occurred to me watching it mm-hmm. was, oh my gosh, this feels so much like a student film. It yeah. The moment it started, I was just yeah. like. What am I rewatching? You watching know, It kind of is a student film. Yeah. Um,
1: I don't know if you know the history of the film or not, but um, Kevin actually dropped out of film school before making this, and he uh, paid for the entire movie on credit cards that he made. He's like, well, I'm either going to be in a credit card debt the rest of my life, or I've made a movie that's going to go somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's, uh, he uh, He also, I know, had his comic book collection mm-hmm. that he sold a, a huge chunk of yes. to help pay for that. Yeah. Uh, and I heard he's got most of it back now. Oh, okay. Which, which is kind of nice. It's hard to... he's able that. to get most of it back. But, I mean, he's got multiple projects going on. The guy's obviously got some money now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he owns a comic book shop, so... He does. <laughs> but, Clerks. Yeah. I mean, it's the start of the View universe. Yeah. So, I mean, which includes Chasing Amy, mm-hmm. Dogma, mm-hmm. Janice on Bob Strike
1: Back. Mm-hmm. Which is a fan of film for his fan films. It really is.
0: <laughs> Mallrats, Rats, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Another one of those movies is just super weird. If you go when you go back to watch it, sure, it's it's very much a product of its time, mm-hmm. and it it feels like a movie straight out of the nineties. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was his first uh, studio film, um, and he was given I think two hundred fifty thousand dollars to make that movie. When most movies cost three million or so at the time, so excited about that, and he went back to Scott Moser, the producer, and he's like, "I got two hundred fifty thousand dollars." He's like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" You know, that's not enough to make this film. But uh, they still persevered and went through with it. Yeah.
0: And then you got Stan Lee.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think he was working for Marvel partially at the time. um, And that might have been an easier in for him. Let's
0: see. That would have been... What was that?
1: 1995? Uh, 96, I
0: think. He would be out of Marvel in an official executive capacity. Mm -hmm. But he still would have been connected to Marvel. Mm. Uh, But he was actually doing stuff for Marvel and DC by 96. Because that's when there was the whole... Uh, Stan Lee writes the DC Universe okay which a couple of those we have in the collection nice including Stan Lee writes Batman which is basically <laughs> where he turns Batman to Iron Man okay alright and this is where you
1: get Batman versus Superman from
0: uh, no no Batman versus Superman was around as an idea longer than that mm-hmm. but as a book it didn't really come out until the early 2000s because exactly. that's when you got the stuff with like the Michael Turner covers mm-hmm. uh, and Jeff Loeb was the one that really was the one writing a lot of that mm-hmm. So, that, that's where that gets into. But we are getting very, very, very off, off track. Topic, yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing about Clerks. Um, like, it is the first of the US universe, but um, one of the reasons I picked this movie is because it's a movie about movies and about other universes. It's uh, self-referential, self-refer- and it's also just referential to the actual world around us. Um, unlike other movies that kind of exist in their own kind of universe in a way. Like, you look up the big screen, it's like a portal to another world. This was a, more of a reflection back into our world. One of the reasons I love this movie so much.
0: Now, let's talk a little more about that. So, I mean, I asked you the other day, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, hey, what's your favorite movie? Yeah, And <laughs> and your knee-jerk reaction would have been? Uh, normally, Star Wars. Like, everyone says, um, you
1: know, Star Wars is my favorite film. And I'll, I'll tell you, it is definitely one of my favorite films, but coming here on your podcast to talk about that, it's kind of like going to a book club and talking about, you know, reading the Bible, for <laughs> me at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I Star Wars is so much bigger to me than just a movie. And I'm sure you're going to have someone come in and talk about Star Wars and I can't wait to hear that episode and critique that person on that episode. But also, the reason I didn't do it is because I know a Star Wars nerds can be the worst and if I make the wrong reference to something, I'm going to get backlash from that itself. So that's someone else's problem to deal with, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) And uh, for anyone listening, uh, we are going to be posting Chris's address at the end of the episode, so that if you do have any issues with his take on Star Wars or any other (laughs) films, you can feel free to let him know. Yeah, The Empire did nothing wrong. I I do not follow that same philosophy. I see. (laughs) Then we settled on Clark's. Mm-hmm. So, you mentioned it's a movie about movies. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of film references in it. Yes. It has a lot of fictional film references. Mm-hmm. It also has a lot of actual film references. For sure. So, when you think about a movie that, that really builds its foundation on relations to other movies and arguments about other movies, Star Wars included, mm-hmm. with the discussion about the Death Star, mm-hmm. it, it, it begs the question of, is the movie becoming too self-referential or is it becoming kind of its own thing? Sure. Um...
1: And I I think that it's its own thing for, especially being in 1994, Um, we didn't have, like I said earlier, the internet and the media streams coming in like we do now, where it's just 10 seconds, there's a new Marvel movie being released, Um, and you can't keep up with a lot of times. I'm still behind on a couple of them myself. Um, But I I think it hits just the right notes with it, where it takes on Star Wars, it takes on Jaws, um, it puts other couple ones in there as well, and it, it just handles it. Properly, it shows that Kevin loves movies, and he made this movie because of his love of movies. Um, he didn't do it to call out Star Wars and show everyone how much he did love Star Wars itself.
0: Yeah, it's um, it 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 feels like an organic piece of film, mm-hmm. uh, not just from the sense that it feels like a day in the life. It's a slice of life movie. If you at, at its core, yeah, yeah, uh, in much the same way that many other films are, just this little slice out of what else is going on, you mm-hmm. get this peek into their lives. And this is almost a microcosm of everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the fact that everything happened in one day, yes. there's a lot that goes on in that film. Mm-hmm. But it's nothing major. The, I mean, those major things that happen in that film are Caitlin going into the bathroom and the trauma that follows. Sure, that's pretty... Uh, that was messed me up too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... Uh, I'm wondering, have you had a similar experience, Chris? Uh,
1: no, no. If, if any kind of experience comes from a Kevin Smith movie, it's probably closer to Chasing Amy for me, but... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I used to say it was my favorite films, but um, it's probably a little too deep to talk about on your podcast. Right? Uh, that's all
0: right. That's We won't dig any deeper than you want to. <laughs> um... So look at the movie kind of bit by bit, if we go through the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really a series of short films. Yeah. That just star the same cast throughout yeah. the whole thing.
1: It's a series of short films with um with very, you know, fancy names to each chapter, if you will, and followed by dick and fart jokes peppered with big words in there constantly. So one of the things I love about the movie is that like, you know, um We can make dick and fart jokes at the same time. It's definitely a movie for adults For adults to understand. I don't think uh, a four-year-old buying cigarettes would understand this movie very well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I have to agree. Uh, Also, if a four-year-old was buying cigarettes uh, while watching this movie, I think we would be fined for that. Yeah, probably about $500. Maybe $500, mostly due to the age of the child. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I want to get back to the Death Star part. Sure. Because that is one of the key scenes of this film. All right, all right. And... It's one of the parts that I think is quoted as of, most often. Mm-hmm. I think it's the one that's referred to most often, even by people that maybe don't realize that they're quoting clerks because mm-hmm. it's become such a part of the pop culture universe sure. that it, it, it resonates with so many other people. But it also is kind of a discussion on the idea of work ethic mm-hmm. and what Dante and Randall themselves are in. Because sure. at the end of the day, they are just doing their job. That's said multiple times in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens early on with the Chili's gum wrap. It happens in the video store when Randall's getting yelled at for the fiftieth time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but it's 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 taking something that seems so ridiculous and boiling it down to just a small core essence. Right. So when you think about that scene, mm-hmm. and you think about uh, their arguments in it, okay. uh, how do you think that relates to the greater Star Wars universe? and how you think it relates to the situation Dante and Randall are in themselves, in their lives. Sure. Um, to speak on the Star Wars universe
1: part of it, I can tell you that the first Death Star was actually built with uh, slave labor. Um, it was actually built above Geonosis, um, where they had the, uh, the bug people actually mining inside of there. Um, all detailed in the lovely book called Catalyst, which is uh, the road to Rogue One. I read it last year. One of my top books of last year, actually. Um, and the second one, you know, they talk about it being independent contractors, which it totally could have been at that time um because they said you know stormtroopers don't know how that goes through there and um so yeah the the contractor argument is is valid inside of that one they probably had people who were loyal to the empire who wanted to rebuild it and get it done right away taking the lowest or highest paying job because we're at the end of that star wars series and people are kind of reeling inside of it uh, as long as far as the empire goes uh how does it go for real life and talking about jobs? And, you know, I'm just doing my job kind of deal. Um, You know, they talk about it in the movie, like you shouldn't just show up to do your job. You should be your own person, not an automaton in there. And um, you you should really choose what you want to do or get involved with in work. Uh, I know with our jobs, sometimes we have to walk away if something's getting a little too personal for us. And, uh, you know, I, I just think you have to make your own decisions based on that hopefully I'm answering your
0: question well for you. Works for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> absolutely. The film is in 12 parts. Okay. Do you know what the 12 parts are for the film and why they are what they are?
1: Uh, no, I just know... Or, I, I mean, I saw it this morning, so I, I saw the chapter names for him. I can't tell you which one was. I know the first one was vilation. Villation? It's Vilification. Vilification, yes. That's it, Vilification. And it's um, about the Chulis gum guy... You know, trying to vilify the clerks into sell, about selling cigarettes, um, but. Uh I would like to be told what's going
0: on with this. You bring up the Truly gum rap scene. Mm. I actually have some notes here about that scene because sure. it is—it's one of the most jarring parts to a start of a movie because mm-hmm. you don't really know what you're getting into with this film. Yeah, you see this guy. He gets up out of his closet. Yeah, why is he in his closet? That's that—that's one of the biggest questions I think that we don't have an answer <laughs> to. Is why was Dante sleeping in his closet? Because we know he worked the night before. Yeah, till ten thirty. So, uh, <laughs> and he's not supposed to be here that day. No, so. no, he wasn't.
1: And you know, we watched him. Uh, Get home maybe probably about eleven or so, and then he's up at you know 6 o'clock in the morning because the store opens at six thirty.
0: Um, but yeah, we're saying so. You're really not sure you're getting into this film, and the first really major scene makes it seem like you're watching a really preachy film about anti-smoking.
1: Yeah, yeah, in a way. Does um, anything happen before? Oh, uh, we watch him open up the store and. Uh, I noticed there was a lot of really like tight shots in there. So it wasn't just a guy with a, a camcorder making this movie. Someone actually spent time watching film to set up those shots properly. Um, but you know, there's almost no dialogue except for this guy has to go to work because someone's going to be there at noon. We don't even know who called out. The guy called out. He won't be until... Uh, his boss won't be until noon. Yeah. Um, but it is it is very jarring. Because um, you're like, okay, is this some kind of, like you said, movie about not smoking? How preachy it's going to be? And... Then we start seeing some of the customers coming into the store and are like, God, what a bunch of savages in this town. Um, and it, it just sets it up for, you know, this could be serious, but don't take it seriously um, as the first scene in the film.
0: And then it leads to the first, what I feel is the first big laugh in the film, mm-hmm. which is right after the angry mob mm-hmm. of, uh, this is by the Truly's Gum Rep, mm-hmm dies down, one of the men from the mob turns to Dante and says, i want to get a pack of smokes. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's the first truly big laugh in the movie. Yeah. And it, it, it just takes you right out of this whole unease mm-hmm. of what am I watching? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this is a comedy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be laughing at this. Yeah. And it, it really sets the tone for the rest of the film with this, this dichotomy between these serious conversations and the absurdity of the scenarios that they're being put in.
1: Yeah. Followed by, like, the next scene's coming up where you have Veronica and Dante talking about, you know, their sexual partners in the past. Which is a terrible subject. Never bring it up to your partner. No, never. Just, just let it be in the past and just enjoy who you have now. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the whole point of this film when you come to the, around to the end of it is enjoy the one that you're with. Um, Grass isn't always greener, uh, I guess. <laughs> Um, I, I did really like the end of that scene, too, where we have Veronica um, march in, and you got a little, wow, with a guitar in there, and she has a fire extinguisher, calls a bunch of animals, kicks them out of there. And she's this real heroic person in this movie, and, like, I was really rooting for her the entire time watching this film.
0: She's, she's definitely the lawful good of mm, the film. Definitely. She is encouraging Dante to kind of get out of this rut he's in. Sure. She's made yeah. a lot of sacrifices for him. Yeah. And... Yeah. She she's really trying to make him, in her opinion, better. Yeah. Uh,
1: but he feels it's like nitpicking at him and like poking him and to do something he doesn't want to do. Yeah.
0: And the more I thought about it, I was like, man, she she seems like she's really laying into him. Mm-hmm. But then I started thinking about how old are all these people, and they're all 22. early twenties. Yeah. So I'm like, where was I when I was 22? I was like, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do with my no. life. No. I was like, I, I I'm in school. I I know I'm going towards something, but is this what I want? Is this what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it's a point where in your life where you kind of feel lost because you have this expectation that you're out of college mm-hmm. and you're supposed to join the workforce. And what you want may not be what you've been aspiring towards. And I think that's what a lot of the film ends up being about.
1: Mm. Uh, for me, the film was closer to uh, speaking to me. Um, I didn't go to college. I uh, I started working at 15 and probably about the same time being 22 I was working just Retail, um, just like a cashier in retail, stocking shelves, very very close to me. So I feel this movie hits a lot of the same notes that I went through when I was younger. Um, if we look at the sequel, 10 years later, they're working inside of a fast food restaurant. And I won't get into that because I hear you have someone else lined up for that film. But, um, you know, like they didn't move forward anywhere in their in their lives. Uh, for myself, at least, I saw myself not wanting to be in that rut, kind of a warning sign from this film and pushing myself forward to, you know, what I am now which it's not all fame and glory, but it's definitely a good living we're making
0: currently. You uh, you mean you don't want to work in a video store pissing off moms all day by talking about porn?
1: You well, know, if I worked in a video store, I'd be out of work
0: about a decade ago, so <laughs> I'm kind of
1: glad that doesn't exist at this point. You could be a
0: red box technician.
1: Could be a red box technician, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's like being a vending machine technician. It so,
0: really is.
1: Yeah. No no offense to anyone out there, but it must be a Redbox. Yeah, technician.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that... Uh, Anybody that's out there that's working for Redbox, I think you're all wonderful people. Yeah. And I think Redbox is actually a brilliant, brilliant service. Yeah. It's one of those services that you see and you're like, man, why did I think of this? Why didn't anybody think of this? Somebody yeah. thought of it.
1: For sure. sure. Someone always thinks of your idea before you think of it. It's, weird. it's true.
0: Yeah. It's just like when you're trying to find something you've lost, it's always in the last place you look.
1: Yeah.
0: So I teased you about yeah. what the twelve scenes in the movie are. Yes, yes, yes. So the main character's name is Dante. Sure. There are 12 scenes. It is actually an allegory of Dante's Inferno. Gotcha. And uh, well, really Dante's Divine Comedy, Mm -hmm. which has 12 parts. Mm -hmm. So the idea is his spiral down through uh, the circles of hell Mm -hmm. as the the lot of his day gets worse and worse. Mm -hmm. As we progress from his fight with Veronica Mm -hmm. through to uh, having to stay later at work to the... Incidents that happen in the hockey game with him losing the ball and everything just spirals downward. Finally, to what happens with Caitlin and with Veronica at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and kind of the culmination of his self actualization as a person.
1: Right. Um, I I can see that allegory being that part of it um, for sure. And I'm trying to figure out like which ones uh, were which. I was going to say like weren't lawyers in like the last circle of hell and it's one of the last scenes of the movies where he's getting fined. I remember something about. Um, Dante's Divine Comedy is it's three different books. There's uh, there's Dante's Inferno, there's Paradiso, and then there's uh, purgatorio. Purgatorio. Uh, from what I understand, he wrote the first part um, over a long time, and then the other two parts he kind of like wrote out really quickly.
0: So the the yeah, like the Matrix.
1: Yeah, kind of like the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, he he did the uh, we're gonna make a sequel movie that's actually two movies split up. One of the worst cases of that was um the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I hadn't realized that the second one and third one were gonna be released back to back. So, I'm sitting in the theater two and a half hours in, like, is this thing going to wrap up or what? And then I have that final scene, and I'm just like, oh my god,
0: really? There's a sequel to this? So, I find that Dead Man's Chest is the most divisive mm. Pirates movie of all of them. I think everyone loves Curse of the Black Pearl, mm-hmm. everyone hates a World's End, mm. everyone thinks that Stranger Ties needs to burn in a tire fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Man's Tale No Tales, I think, is still too new to really pass a lot of judgment on. I personally liked it a lot. I watched it recently, and I was like,
1: eh, it's another pirate movie.
0: (laughs) But I think Dead Man's Chest Mm -hmm. is the one that's still most divisive. Sure. I I feel that it's an incomplete film. I get that it's supposed to be part one of a Mm two-part, but I think that there's ways to do a two-part film and still have each part stand on its own. Gotcha. And I don't think that Dead Man's Chest accomplished that as successfully as it could. Yeah. There, there's a lot of things that are left hanging mm-hmm. and you'd think that it'd be resolved in World's End but World's End opens with kind of this nice tidy bow on a lot of the major points sure. that are in Deadman's Chest that aren't getting resolved. Right. Which is frustrating. Like the Kraken. With this huge piece mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Dead Man's Chest. Mm-hmm. Probably the single biggest piece of a non-character role. Not the ships, not a treasure. It's the single biggest part of that movie that's not a character. And it's written off as a, we wa- washed it up on a shore and let it die out. Yeah.
1: What happened? Nothing happened.
0: Yeah. Next. <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, it's like, did did Disney just blow the budget on it at that point? It just did not want to render anything else? <laughs> or or what was, um, who was behind it at that point? Is Jerry Bruckheimer still behind the films at that point? Possibly. World's End's just not a good movie. Mm-hmm. The final fight's great with the, uh, the, the cyclone mm-hmm. and all the ships are swirling around, shooting at each other. Yeah. Super cool. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the council pirates is really cool, but everything in between those, especially the Johnny Depp love fest in the desert, is just it's so <sighs> self masturbatory. Yeah, just it's Johnny Depp in a desert masturbating to himself.
1: Yeah. Um, to bring Johnny Depp back and movies done in the last ten years, Kevin Smith had actually some films with Johnny Depp in it. He did. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually like those films, a lot of people don't like Tusk. Uh, and then the other one that just came out with the uh, yoga Hoses. Piece. Yoga Hosers, yes. Um, Which, you know, they're they're films that Kevin wants to make at this point. Uh, He put his family, it was a family film for Yoga Hosers. Yeah. His daughter's in it. um, And they have had a great time. And and Johnny Depp's daughter's in that movie as well. And they're playing clerks as well, which is great. Uh, I saw Kevin Smith speak on this recently, uh, probably about two years ago. He had the improv here. Um, And he talked about uh, how, like, his wife's like, you know that you're just making clerks, but
0: with your daughter. (laughs) He's like, oh, my God, you're right. I love it. That's pretty funny. I I, uh, I had not heard that. Yeah. That That's great. Uh, his do- his wife was in a, one of his films as well. Yeah, she has been in a few. Uh, she, she was, was in, in Clerks 2. She's, she's in Clerks 2. She was also Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. She was, yeah. She is part of the, the group that kidnapped Jay and Silent Bob mm-hmm. and had them shoot their ridiculous video. Because they love animals, stupid. <laughs> God, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Yeah, it's a good one.
1: It's a, it's a film for Kevin Smith fans.
0: I saw it probably at the wrong age, too. I was, like, 16 years old when I saw it. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, what is this? Yeah. yeah, You didn't know the characters in it yet, or either? I had not seen any of US Universe movies wow. before that. Wow, yeah. So that was definitely an interesting introduction to mm-hmm. that.
1: I remember the, uh, the promos for Clerks uh, on MTV when I was younger, and not knowing who Jay and Silent Bob were. Um, and then watching the movie eventually when I had gotten older and being like, oh yeah, those guys from those commercials, um, which I, th- I think was pretty cool that they were part of the subculture, even back
0: before they were part of the subculture. He's almost like, like I'd say Jay is a caricature of Jason Mewes, mm. but not so far off from the reality of Jason Mewes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like Jason Mewes, Andra. Oh, so Jason Mewes. Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> he's clean now. Isn't he is he? clean. Yeah, he is clean.
1: Yeah, I saw him a few years back um, at a convention, uh, horror convention. He was there, um, and he was cleaned up at the time. Um, didn't really get a chance to talk to him. Sat at the table next to him. Just kind of was giddy the entire time. He had his uh, his entourage with him, so I didn't want to go up. And
0: play. Like you were just at a table next to him. Yeah, yeah. Like in the food
1: court. Uh, it was at a Fridays across the street. What? Yeah, <laughs> across the street from the convention.
0: Um, it was probably I don't know two thousand nine or so. Oh that's weird. Yeah. That is, I, I I can I, I would say that meeting Jason Mewes on a Fridays is probably the best place to meet Jason Mewes.
1: Yeah, probably a good point. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's uh I mean and there it's always Friday.
1: It is always Friday. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um always a good
0: time. Yeah. <laughs> I've I just had a few celebrity run ins at conventions, but nothing as weird as that of Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your past and films. And films. Okay. So do you remember the first movie you ever saw in theaters? Uh, I'm told it was Tron,
1: but it was uh, a drive-in theater, and I would have been like six months old at the time. Okay,
0: what's the first movie you remember seeing in theaters? Oh,
1: gosh, it's hard to it's hard to pick out. Um, I remember going to the drive-in a lot when I was a kid, back when those still existed. One of the first movies I remember going to theater was see was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with my dad. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Um, and afterwards, he took me to Toys R Us and bought me some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures. That's great. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that time. I love those
0: movies. Those those are great. The modern ones, they're not bad.
1: I watched one of the first CGI
0: ones. The second CGI one, mm. the, the newer one, I think it's Out of the Shadows. Mm. Super fun. It's like an episode of the animated series brought to life. Yeah. But there's something about those Jim Henson-created puppets right. for the original mm-hmm. with these guys in suits with these amazingly puppeteered heads yeah. that give it a certain sense of realism mm-hmm. and really just give it a lot more weight. Mm-hmm. plus it was at the height of the ninja craze in the 90s so I mean, we all wanted to be ninjas yeah
1: I, I remember uh, tying t-shirts around my head all the time to have a little hole mask that comes out of it uh, and I also remember um, always doing my hands with kind of the, the Vulcan salute but being three fingers like one of the ninja turtles yeah totally yeah. or was I, it four fingers I don't even know
0: no I think it might have been it might, might, might have been, been, four. been four okay uh, you, you guys can't see this on the pod, but we are literally putting our hands out in front of us yeah. and trying to make a shape that looks like a turtle hand. Yeah.
1: I mean, you got to go with what references you have, right?
0: It's true. <laughs> I assume you like movies. Oh, yeah. I I've seen movies. your tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> so what movies would you say that have been the biggest influence on your life? Oh, man. Clerks. Um... Biggest influences in my life.
1: I mean, you get Star Wars in there, you got Clerks in there, like we're talking about right now. Alien, uh, Aliens movies have been a influence, big influence in my life. They were some of the first, um, if you didn't know, they actually have a whole series of books based on the Alien movies and Aliens. Some of the first books I read that were based on other movies like to get into an expanded universe for it. So that was big for me as well. Um, man, I I've seen probably around 1,800 movies. Um, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot at this point, but 35, so it's it's quite a few for me. I actually worked in a movie theater when I was uh, 16 years old till I was almost 18 years old, so quite a few years in there. One of my favorite things was getting to watch movies the midnight before the actual release, before we did huge midnight releases all the time for everything that came out. Um, getting a chance to have free tickets to go see artsy films, like Amelie I got to see in theaters, which... A lot of people ended up skipping. Um, They have seen it on video. It's a cold classic. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of films and I can't pick out the ones that are most influential to me, but um, definitely some bad ones in there. Definitely some good ones in there. Um, You asked about, or you mentioned tattoos. I do have a facehugger tattoo on my leg. You do? Yeah. So, that one's a huge influence in my life. it was probably one of the first scariest movies I watched, and one of the first ones that we, me and my friend stayed up late watching without our parents knowing we were watching on that one. And I've got a pretty funny story. After uh, watching that film, being scared of my mind, went to bed, you know, kid, maybe 11 o'clock at night or something like that. And I could not sleep because obviously I'm scared crapless. And uh, it just happens to be outside my window that night there was a cat fight. So I started hearing hissing and like screeching and that kind of stuff. (laughs) And all I can think is, oh my God, there are aliens outside of my window trying to break into my home right now. Um, And then followed up by, I don't remember it, Paul, we had Malafion trucks for mosquitoes. Oh yeah. So you have this humming noise and a yellow flashing light that comes around. And I can only think there's a power loader now walking through my neighborhood killing aliens (laughs) as I'm scared crapless like in there. So I remember that being one of the first films that really like Touched me deeply in a way that like stuck with me, and this is a life experience I'm going to remember forever. For this kind of thing, um, so you know, uh, a few years ago I got a huge leg tattoo. That's a face hugger wrapping around it for myself. Um, hopefully, I'll have more tattoos to go along with it
0: someday. But we're not here to talk about the alien mythos anymore. No, that's, no, that's a whole can of worms that we can we can go over another time. <sighs> this is why I picked Clerks because there's so many films <laughs> I love that I'd love to talk about forever. And, and Clerks is just right in this smack dab middle of them.
1: Yeah, it's it, like I said, it's a movie about these other movies,
0: you know. what I find interesting about Clerks is the cast of it mm. is still not really well known. Like they're they're not anybody big. Right. I mean, it's people like Kevin Smith, either new mm-hmm. like Scott Mosier, who plays the uh, the weird stoned out guy mm-hmm. that comes in a couple times. It's beautiful, man. Exactly, <laughs> or. Just people he hired, mm-hmm. and none of them have really done anything big. Uh, I was looking on IMDb, mm-hmm. and the actress that played Caitlin seems to be the only one that's kind of had steady work. Mm-hmm. Well, the actress played Veronica's had steady work too, mm-hmm. but the guys played Dante Randall I mean, the guy that played Randall's been in three movies,
1: yeah. They had a falling out actually, him and Kevin Smith, which is why i didn't appear in films for a while. But uh, Brian O'Halloran, mm-hmm. uh, I can't say his name properly, I'm sorry, Brian uh, Halloran? Halloran, yeah. Um, He has been, I think, in pretty much every single Kevin Smith film. Um, In Dogma, he played a uh, newscaster talking about the end of times. remember that scene pretty well for him.
0: So, we've talked about your influences on film. Mm -hmm. Well, the influences of you on film. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how many films you've influenced. (laughs) Have you influenced any films?
1: Uh, Yeah, I've been in a couple films before. Um, Nothing you've ever heard of and probably nothing you can even find a copy of. Um, but uh, you know, uh, the Clerks cartoon show. Until you had Brian Possein in the first pilot episode, I watched it this morning as well.
0: Um, was he really in that?
1: He's really in it. He wow. plays. He plays the. Did you ever see the cartoon series? I've seen the
0: cartoon. Yeah.
1: He's the guy who walks in the convenience store. Is it safe? Is it safe? He was the one on the other end of that one. That's great. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to pick out his voice, and he's in all kinds of stuff out there. But uh, he had a movie come out two years ago called Uncle Nick. It was a kind of Christmas film about him going back and seeing his family and being there. Actually, a really good film, and I felt it had some ties to my life. Don't read too much into that if you ever watch this movie. (laughs) I saw it at the Tampa Picture Show, and me and my wife were the only two people in the theater. I
0: missed that place.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. But um, after the film, the people who run the place came up and was like, Hey, so you're the only people who showed up to watch this movie. Like, the entire weekend we were running it. Were you guys in the film? And we're like, oh my god, I would be so honored to be in this film, but no, we were not uh, in this film for it.
0: That's funny. Yeah. I got some trivia about Clerks for you. Okay. Do you know how they shot the film?
1: Maybe. It depends kind of what we're talking about.
0: So, the convenience store they shot at the Quick Stop, Kevin Smith worked there. Yes. And so, he would work all day. Mm -hmm. And then... Every night, they would shoot from the time they were closed until like 4 a.m. Yeah. And that's why the shutters were closed in the mm-hmm. film, because it was nighttime outside and they didn't want to give that away. Sure. Although there are plenty of scenes in the movie where you can sort of see outside. Yeah. And you can see it's dark. Yeah. But you kind of attribute it to being black and white, so mm-hmm. it's part of that.
1: My my biggest draw in the film is uh, after they leave the funeral scene, it's suddenly dark outside. Like, as they're driving home, I don't know how far they drove. They talked about closing it down for like an hour or two. But, um, you know, if the sun is up as much as it was at 6 a.m., I can imagine the sun is set by 6 p.m. at that point.
0: Uh, I do love the fact that during the hockey scene, uh, two of the people are wearing Tampa Bay Lightning jerseys. Oh, really? Which I got such a kick out of. Mm -hmm. Also, it's the fact that it's 1994 Mm -hmm. when this movie was made. The Lightning had only been in existence for two years at that point.
1: It's probably because there was a lot of uh, hype around a new team, especially being built in Florida. You're like, how's Florida going to have a hockey team? Yeah.
0: But you've got that, you've got the Jersey Devil's jerseys in there, you've got a whole bunch of different jerseys. you got a CCCP one in there. Yes, you've got a Soviet jersey that Randall's wearing. Yeah. The uh, the video store, the Quick Stop, mm-hmm. they're still owned by the same family today. Oh, really? Yeah. And the RST in the name of the video store is actually the names of the owners of the, the store. Okay. Which is Rajiv, Sarla, and Tarlaken.
1: Oh Okay. Yeah. I won't try to reproduce those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> The, the smoker's lung,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, the Chulis rep slaps down on the, uh, the counter. Mm-hmm. It is a cast liver that they covered in dirt and then they burned it with cigarettes. Oh, wow. So it, it was already something kind of gross and they yeah. made it grosser.
1: I, I love that he, uh, puts on gloves to pull it out and then doesn't bother to put gloves back on when he's putting it away.
0: No. Yeah. No, it doesn't care at that point. Mm-hmm. Cause you know what? He sold some great Chulis gum.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he was on his way to work and he just kinda of stopped for that, or do you think this is his job to go to different convenience stores and cross ruckuses like that?
0: I don't know. He seems like a really weird individual. I kinda want a movie about him.
1: Okay. A little uh, off.
0: Maybe like like an anti version of Thank You for Smoking.
1: Okay.
0: I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, I love that film. So kind of an opposite version of that except about a this guy that's on this war path to stop people from smoking mm-hmm. solely so he can sell more gum. Yeah. And just the like, methods he takes to get to it. Mm-hmm. And what he's willing to it's accomplish. It's
1: pre planned. Like, it doesn't seem like he. This is the first time he's done this.
0: Oh, he definitely just carries around a lung all the time with him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's in, c- in case somebody takes his breath away. Yeah.
1: It's, oh, God. And it's, it's got to be 7 a.m. at that point. So people, like, said, on the way to work, they just want to
0: get a pack of smokes. Just want to get out of there. One thing I found really jarring with the movie mm. is it's the 90s. Sure. So, obviously, times are different, but the number of people that come in to buy cigarettes. hmm And I'm just like, man, does everybody in New Jersey smoke? I mean, what else are you going to do? It's cold outside. Well, it wasn't cold. Remember? We decided it wasn't cold. It's always cold in Jersey, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just go across the border and suddenly it's 60 degrees warmer. Yeah, it's,
1: it's always, it's always, like, 20 degrees Celsius outside.
0: <laughs> so, the word fuck. Yeah. 91 times.
1: 91 times.
0: 91 times you count its derivatives as well, like motherfucker mm-hmm. or fucking hell. Mm-hmm. Those are all in there a total of ninety-one times. Yeah. Which not, not a record, but it's a it's a substantial number.
1: Do you know how many uh I, I don't have the answer, but do you know how many times there referenced sex in the movie?
0: I don't have that answer, no. It seems like every three minutes. It it definitely seems like a lot. Mm. Speaking of sex, let's talk about the most controversial scene in the movie. Okay. Uh the the bathroom scene with Caitlin.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a long burn on that joke.
0: It is. So you get this you get this really weird old guy. Mm-hmm. Who is pestering Dante mm-hmm. for nice toilet paper. He doesn't want the rough stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's wants something to read. Mm-hmm. So he convinces Dante to give him a porno mag.
1: Yeah, but not that one. The not one, the that one. That it's one because like, it's got bigger titties. They got bigger titties.
0: Yeah. And then he, he disappears. You don't really think about it. You're like, okay, he's gone. Yeah, because
1: there's so many characters that come in and disappear in the movie. Yeah. Let's just the it's just another person.
0: It's like a single serving joke. Mm-hmm. And then later, when Caitlin goes to the bathroom... I have to wonder, like, where? How far do you have to go into this bathroom to not be able to see that there's someone in there? Well, there's no lights in there. There's no lights there, but is it like one door? Is it like one of those ones where there's a door and then another door do you go through?
1: You know, it's probably um in back of house. No, she comes from back house, I'm pretty sure, and then there's a bathroom behind that.
0: Possibly, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's a it's a substantially dark scene mm-hmm. for the movie, and I mean they play it to laughs for that's to some extent, mm-hmm. but it is almost this mounting horror. Yeah. that she's just like no it wasn't he's like no it wasn't me Yeah, definitely wasn't me and she's just like what are you playing with and then she's like she realizes oh my god I slept with a total stranger Yeah. and then they're saying oh she just got raped by this person mm-hmm. and then with no explanations given yeah. you know you're not clearly stating anything but the very next scene you see them pull the sheet over the, the old guy yeah. and you see this stick <laughs> sticking up from the sheet mm-hmm. that is clearly his erection yeah and if you <laughs> notice, he
1: still has the open magazine uh, on the stretcher as well.
0: Yes, <laughs> and you see the shell shocked, destroyed Caitlin in the back of the in the ambulance. back of the ambulance, mm-hmm. and then the fact that she rides in the ambulance with him, yeah, with the dead guy, yeah, to to yeah, uh, the uh, hospital. Roger, right? yeah. yeah, he just hops in. It's just a weird, weird scene in that film.
1: It is, it is. Um, and if you guys don't know, Clerks, we mentioned it had a cartoon series. It actually had a sitcom they made a pilot for, which was terrible. I watched 10 minutes of it today. Don't look it up. Don't waste your time. It's so cringy. Although Jim Brewer's in it for um, the first episode. What
0: has he been up to lately? Uh, Probably just
1: telling jokes. I think I saw him in something recently. Um, And also, there was comic books that came out for the film as well. Uh, And one of the comics actually explores what happens to Caitlin inside the insane asylum. And uh, yeah... Dante actually goes to visit her like he talks about, um, in the, in the film, the end of the movie and, um, what happens with her and she's just messed up for life. Like she does not come back from that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, that's something you really would not come back from. So moving on to other topics, let's talk a little more about the future and, uh, find out what movies you're excited to see soon.
1: Movies coming out soon. I'm excited to see, um, the Han Solo film, of course. I'm excited to see where that goes.
0: I'm excited to see if it's going to be anything good.
1: Anything good. Um,
0: the, the production of it seems to have been a mess. You
1: know, it seems like the production of all the Star Wars films have been a mess um, since the beginning, quite honestly. Uh, if you look in the history of a lot of those movies. Um, let see, what other movies... You know, I'm kind of burnt out on Marvel right now. I still haven't seen Thor Ragnarok. Uh,
0: it's so good.
1: Yeah? It's yeah. so good. Um, I know Black Panther comes out soon, and a lot of people are excited to go see that one.
0: The hype is real for that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, one of the first, like highest grossing pre-sale movies ever. Um, so I'm excited for that, but um, I don't know if I'm going to catch it in the theater. I don't catch a lot in the theaters. It usually has to be a special occasion. It's usually IMAX, that kind of stuff. Um, you know... I kind of just go with the flow and see what's coming out. I'm trying to look too far in the future. I do avoid a lot of trailers these days because they're just edited to the point where you see almost all the entire movie in that. Um, I like the movies, like the original trailer for Star Wars. The Star Wars, coming soon, a galactic civilization. And it's just horribly like, done sound, like special effects are pew pew in the background, not even the real laser sounds they use in the movie. That movie's fixed in editing, by the way. Like the story came together in editing for that movie. Um, I, one of the things I love to do is watch like the special features and watch director's commentary and that kind of stuff and not a lot of people watch films that way you know they watch the movie once they maybe make a critique on it and then they move on to the next thing um, I really like to let stuff simmer and you know, take the time with it
0: there's some really great commentary tracks out there for, mm-hmm. for some films Yeah, uh, Fight Club's the one that immediately comes to mind for sure. me it has four commentary tracks mm-hmm. uh, including one with the director David Fincher You've got one with the author of the book mm-hmm. that's based on Chuck Palahniuk. Mm-hmm. You've got ones with some of the cast, ones with the other parts of the cast. So you've got a lot of really in-depth stuff. Yeah. And I think it's really nice when you get a lot of extras for the film, uh, especially if a film's an adaptation of something else. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're almost, it's almost owed to you. Mm-hmm by the filmmakers to give you some details. And I think the gold standard for that still is The Lord of the Rings.
1: Yeah. Have you ever watched all twelve hours of commentary, on Lord of I the Rings? I have not,
0: my wife is working her way through it. So oh, it's an undertaking. Man. That is that is her project.
1: Did you uh hear how I think it was Viggo Mortensen almost died multiple times making the film?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But they uh, they left it in one of them was the arrow catching scene from the first one. Um like that actually happened. Which I think is pretty amazing.
0: I mean he's he's a badass. Mm-hmm. In life and in film. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me much at all. Yeah. I'm
1: going to say, one of my favorite commentaries is uh, for Bubba Hotep. They had kind of a fun one on there where Elvis actually does the commentary for the movie. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's Bruce. But yeah. it, it's a lot of fun to watch. He's like eating snacks with the entire kind of thing. It reminds me of uh, the Red Letter Media's like, review of episode one, where it's kind of, or Half in the Bag is the show that they do now online for films.
0: Bubba ho a weird movie. It's a, it's a weird movie for sure. Yeah, I are going to it with very different expectations than what I saw. <laughs> so it's it's definitely one of those that those, are just an oddity out there in the filmmaking world. Mm-hmm. But hey, Bruce Campbell's got steady work now. Yeah, that's true. Which is great.
1: Yeah, I started watching um, Ash vs. Evil Dead finally. I know it's been out for like four years or something,
0: but three. So, I think it's in uh, season three. Okay. There's so many shows. In there. We're, in, we're in a tough age of television.
1: We're in a tough age of media.
0: We are. There's yeah. just too much to watch. Too mm-hmm. much to consume. Too
1: much to consume. Like, um, if I want to keep up Marvel, I've got to watch four TV shows now. I have to watch all the movies that come out. Um, I have to read the comic books at the same time. It, it's just, it's a little too much for me currently. Although, I, I do it with Star Wars. Um, I've read a lot of the newer books that have come out um, since they just kind of relaunched everything. I watch the cartoon shows. I watch the movies, of course. I dive deeper into some of the comics. Not as much as I'd like to, though. It's just, there's so much to consume. But if you have a hobby in movies or film like that, you have plenty of content to keep you
0: busy. You do. Yeah. There's there's a lot of good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Paul. Yeah. yeah. Uh, super excited that you had to be the first guest. I know. I'm really excited about that. And uh, like we said, we set the bar. Mm-hmm. You are the gold standard now of this podcast. It uh, might be a high bar to con- get over here. Hey, I want everyone to try to high jump that. If, yep. if they do a Fosbury flop, like in the Olympics, all the better. I challenge you to have a better interview with somebody else. Oh, man. <laughs> Guys, the gauntlet's thrown. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's Chris's gauntlet for you. But, I mean, yeah. That's, we're good stuff on that. Cool. Thanks yeah. for uh, well, having me Well, day. thank you so much for coming in. No problem. Yeah. So that was our interview with Chris Goodbread. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation about Clerks, among many, many other movies that we talked about. And if you like the podcast, make sure to rate us on the Apple Podcast app and subscribe so you can find out when our next episode is. See you soon.